Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm John Branion, and this is the comedian next door. This is part one with Jason Farley. This could be great, Carl. Uh, Jason Farley is on the podcast. Have you ever? I don't think you've ever been on the podcast, have you? I haven't been on the podcast. No, I've listened to the podcast. I haven't actually been on the podcast. He hasn't been on the podcast, but you've been. We've done something. It feels like didn't we record something? Actually, maybe I was on the podcast at one of the events. Maybe I can't remember. I don't know. I mean, we've talked so remember. much that it's just a question of whether or not any of it was ever recorded. I don't know if it ever was. Every word that we have ever spoken to each other should have been recorded for posterity. Uh, yeah. Jason does. That's how I've always about everything I say, though. So. <laughs> At least, you know, let's just be honest about that. It requires a certain amount of ego to produce a podcast. Yeah. Why can't we just admit that? Um, yep. So. Yeah. Jason does uh, Knocks Unplugged, and do you do anything else on the FLF Network? It's like formally? Uh, every once in a while, I, I get interviewed and cause problems. Um, so I used to have a show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, get, I, get, I get Gabe and Toby in trouble sometimes. We talked but about you on the show. podcast a few weeks ago when you set <laughs> oh, the you? Uh, okay. evangel- when you set the uh, yeah, reformed world on fire with the yeah. That was a funny, funny episode, but I still haven't quite wrapped my head around. Um, I thought it was a funny punchline. Uh, I was—I've oh. been told a number of times it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, try try uh, actually listing in your bio that you were a comedian and see how many times you get reminded that you're not funny at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, every day. So, uh, I wanted to, I've wanted to have you come on the podcast for a long time. And, uh, the, the challenge is always, what are we going to talk about? Not because we have very few topics, but because we have so many topics that we could talk about. Lots and lots. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk with you specifically about the concept of deconstruction. And I think it's important. It's at least important in my life currently because I think, uh, well, I'll tell you what I think, but but first I want you to give me uh, and Carl, I only have one listener on my podcast and his name is yeah. Carl. So right. uh, I want you to give me and Carl a uh, sort of a uh, an encapsulated uh, definition, history, you know, let's, uh, let's lay the groundwork for what deconstruction is so that I can, that I want to float out to you what I think people think it actually is. And then you can tell me if I'm on the money or if I'm, if I'm off base on that. Yeah, I think it, I, it's been interesting to watch sort of the, uh, this movement, or I don't even know what you would call it, but all these Mm-hmm. folks many of them justifying their apostasy by calling it deconstruction right so i'm just deconstructing my faith right. the next thing you know there's no faith left because it because 
the opposite of construction is is tear down or right? deconstruction, so, right? So, but they don't yeah. they don't say that the one the ones that I have talked to the one and I I will completely concede that I'm not talking to the the biggest brains in this uh, you know in the yeah. conversation. I know I'm talking to the rank and file deconstructionists who are getting their marching order from bigger brains and uh, and but they will not. They will not say that they they they're kind of like the atheists in that it's really difficult to pin them down on what they actually do believe and what they are actually trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, the the reason is because de- the deconstruction movement or the deconstruction is part of what was called the nihilist. It was, it's called nihilism in philosophical terms or in philosophical history. So Heidegger, one of the great early nihilists. Uh, who first coined the term deconstruction and talked about it, and mm-hmm. before it was it was passed on, um, it, it it was passed on to um, to uh, oh a, a French guy whose name is suddenly escaping me, um, but who, he he was one of the major translators of uh, he was. Uh, Jacques Derrida is his name. He was he was one of the French translators of Heidegger, and he's the one really that um, passed it along into the English speaking world. Um, Heidegger is not a great direct route because he was a Nazi. He was a part of the Nazi Party, yeah. and so nobody wants yeah. to touch him. And, you know, it's like oh, <laughs> it's like he's like the poison pancake. It's so like reading Mein Kampf. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, um, but. But nihilism, um, in popular terminology, nihilism means I don't believe anything has meaning. Mm-hmm. But the, that's not what the nihilists meant. What the nihilists, the philosophical nihilists meant was that uh, nothing had a nature. And so you couldn't define what a thing is. You could only define what a thing wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then whatever was left over was what the thing was. Mm-hmm. Right. So you could only define... Uh, something according to you know by t- by by negative terms. You know, this you know uh, this pizza is not the table. It's not the uh, it's not the plate. It's not the room. Mm-hmm. So that what's left is this pizza. The thing that it is. is. Right. The thing that the thing that it the thing that it is. But we can't actually get to the nature of the thing right. because things don't have a nature. All they are is molecules gathered into this particular format at this particular moment. Um, and so there's no overarching metaphysical nature to it. So that was the right. nihilist. But does that work? I mean, don't you, when, when you, are, are you really, are you, you end up really, a Nazi is what you find out. From well, you, you know, sure you end up a Nazi, but I mean, <laughs> but aren't you really just saying what something is when you, when you strip away all that is not, I mean, you're not really, well, you're defining the nature by by picking away at the edges. Yeah, I I think what it is is what you're saying. Um, there isn't an authority that can tell me what this thing is. Okay, right. And I don't have. And so I'm trying to get as objective as a, into an as objective of a spot as I can in order to look at it. But I don't have access to the internal nature of a thing. I only have access to the externals and 
So all I can do is say it has these, it has these externals and not those externals. I don't know what the nature of the thing is. And Heidegger, Heidegger is really interesting to read because he, he, um, he wrote a, a really long essay called the end of metaphysics mm-hmm. saying that there is no such thing as a thing having a nature that you can say, this is what it is. Right. But, he, but, Right. right in the middle of it, he says, the problem is people have this gosh darn priestly <laughs> tendency to want to, to, to want to stand between uh, things and, and then, and give and oblate them, give them a definition and define them. And because we can't seem to get rid of it. But now that we know that there is nothing for them to priest <laughs> towards because there's no God, they just step up into this abyss uh, and they, he calls them priests of nothing, right? Uh, um, and he said, and it's it's very depressing once you realize that there's nothing there. He says, so the best thing that you can do is gain an objective perspective, and then look down and deconstruct, right? So, or and the the German word he uses is is just destruction, but it means take apart. You know, okay, it's not um, the English word. And so then. Uh, Jacques Derrida, as his translator, comes up with the term deconstruction, and he said, and and uses it for a, um, a way to pull down all of the authoritative declarations about things mm-hmm. by giving yourself an objective enough perspective to see that the authorities in there in uh, that are trying to give you metaphysical definitions are actually trying to oppress people. Okay, so they do believe in some sort of objective truth, right? Because you have to have an objective perspective in order to... Yeah. You have to have a place, to, an objective place to stand where you tear everything else down. Right, but all of the, ob- the, the only objectivity is within yourself. Hmm. So, and this is where... So Heidegger still is trying to look for an objective standard to, to stand upon and judge with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all placed within the selfhood of the individual. Jacques Derrida is, he's much more destructive and he, he's not so much concerned about finding an objective place. He's concerned about power, mm-hmm. right? That this is all, that it's, that it's all power games. Um, and so for Derrida, if you can figure out where the, how the authority gains more power by whatever it is that they say, uh, whatever it is they tell other people to believe, mm-hmm. then you've basically said, ha ha, you're just after power. And right. here's the, you, this is, this is the evidence of it. You're just trying to get power because if your authority is right, then you gain power. Right. right? But, but if and that, that automatically makes it false, that's, that, that's Derrida. Right. Um, but he's presupposing yeah. that everybody is motivated by power. So of course that's what he's going to find. Right. Right. Well, because, but, but he's got a metaphysic in which there is only power and matter. I see. Okay. That's, that's all there is. So of course everybody's looking for power. There isn't anything else. Well, there's so, matter. <laughs> there's matter. That's there's true. Matter. Yes. What yeah, good so, matter do without power, right? <laughs> right. Good... So when it, and, and that and it, it, the American philosopher Michael Foucault is the one who brings it into English mm-hmm. and kind of settles it down and says all is power. It's only power. He's he's a San Francisco homosexual, um, 
and it, it's like all all is the all there is is power in the at the end of the day and um everybody hunting for it you know right so you, right you know Fro, like freud for freud all there is is sex for foucault all <laughs> right, there is right, right. power and they're always looking for that one thing <laughs> that, that one thing that everything. is yeah yeah which is what which is what makes them an ideology right there's a single idea well, they, that everything else is explained according to the the smaller brains that i've been talking to are they they don't have i'm sure they don't have all of that background and all of the tapestry and all of the nuance in behind you know deconstruct i'm sure they don't know any of the history of where deconstructionism came yeah. from and how it got started and how it was used and understood you know through the ages and so uh what i how how this came to be in the last couple of three days, I was on a page on Facebook and I, I sort of make the rounds on Facebook and I go in and, and I, I poke the humanists and I poke the progressive Christians <laughs> and I poke the atheists and I just respond to their memes. You know, I just see that yeah. their memes show up in my, in my Facebook just gives them to me or actually God, I think is giving them to me and I'm just responding <laughs> to whatever ones he decides to give me. Um, Good morning, John. My mercies are new. Here every they morning. are. Here they are. Here are today's yeah. memes. Here, I want you to turn. I want you to turn that gift that I gave you on this and find some way to ridicule it. And uh, and 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 I'm, I'm I'm trying to be objective and I'm trying to be fair about things. I mean, I'm I'm. There's a certain amount of trollishness, I guess, in what I'm doing. So let's just admit that. But I'm not doing it just to incite you know, anger. I'm trying to be right. somewhat thoughtful. Um, and, and so I wound up on this, uh, on this page, this guy is a cartoonist, uh, who's a deconstructionist is an ex pastor goes by the naked pastor on Facebook. If you guys want to look him up, um, <laughs> I'm glad he's an ex pastor. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot there. Um, and, he, the only reason I even know about him is because I follow a guy who is a, is a, still considers himself a pastor of sorts, but he's a raging leftist, uh, you know, progressive Christian. And so yeah. I, I follow him intentionally from, from a distance. I don't comment on his page because I don't want him to block me um, because I, he's like an open window into what the progressives are thinking about. And so, right. you know, right. his, his feed is helpful to me because I know how these people think. Um, everybody else I can, I comment on and they shut me out and throw me out and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so he was posting these videos from this David Hayward, the naked pastor, or these pictures that he guys draws. And the thing about him is, and you and Knox have talked about art and poetry and, and the value yeah. of it and all this. And, and his, his drawings are just like, like second grade doodles. You know, that's the thing that struck <laughs> me about him. It's like this right. guy, yeah. you know, this guy is, and his theology is just, it's, it's just progressive and it's woke and he's, and he's all yeah. about deconstruction and it's all about deconstruction and, and asking questions. And so I went on to his, ventured into his uh, lair, and I just asked under one of his cartoons, I said, okay, uh, help me understand when it's time to start constructing. I mean, how do you know 
when the deconstruction is done? I mean, how do you know, how do, how do you put your hands on your hips and go, all right, we have, we have now taken everything apart, you know, and it's time to start. And, and it, what do you do after that? Then where do you go? And his response to me was, you enjoy the open space. So, so deconstruction is the goal, basically, is to, is to open space. Uh, yeah. And so, and, and he said, have you read my book? And I said, no, I have not. Have you read my book, Questions Are the Answer? That's his, the title of his book, Questions Are the Answer. And I said, I have not read that book. And I said, would it be safe to assume that you answer some questions in that book? <laughs> and he said, he said, broadly, that was his response. Okay. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. getting anything from this guy, but one of the other dudes said, there's a guy who wrote a book, uh, Bradley Jersick, J-E-R-S-A-K, wrote a book called Out of the Embers, and it answers the question that you asked. Now, I am very skeptical that... Yeah. But I but I told the guy, I said, okay, thank you. I will read it. And so I told him I would read it. So now I have to read it. And so I've yeah. been, so I've been. Uh, because you believe in an objective standard. So <laughs> Well, I believe in, in keeping my word. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I've been told by enough of those airheads, you know, I don't have, I'm not going to waste my time reading this. I'm not going to wait here. You read this. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. But I, I said, okay, the guy wrote a book and he's trying to answer my question. So I read it and I went to the guy's website and I started reading up on him. And there are a lot of things that he says that make me go, okay, I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. Talks a lot about Jesus um, and how Jesus is it, you know, God is good. And, and Jesus is the, he's the thing. That's where you're, that's where you're getting to. And it's, it's all about Christ. There's nothing else other than Christ. So he says all of that stuff. And I'm like, I'm still suspicious, but I'm trying to check him out. So I start reading into the book and I'm not going to give you the whole synopsis. I'm, you can, you may have even read it. Have you ever read his book? I haven't read that one. Okay. No. I haven't, I haven't heard of it. So I'm, I'm always excited about new books. Well, it's, it, it's, um, I'm not finished with it yet. But I'm going to I'm going to render a judgment, uh, and this is what I want you to tell me whether I'm I'm on target or I'm way off base or whatever. Um, I think that the word deconstruction is like so many other words in our language now. I think it is without meaning, and I think yeah. that everybody is. I think that the naked pastor is using the term deconstruction differently than this. Bradley Jersek is using it. Um, and I also think that he's using it, uh, he's using it incorrectly because he says at one part in the book, he says that everybody is basically a deconstructionist and including characters in the Bible. He says, Paul is one of the great deconstructionists because Paul's, um, faith was deconstructed basically on the road to Damascus. And, and I'm, I'm highlighting in this book as I read along, right. you know, and I'm making notes and I'm like, okay, I, I, I understand what he's trying to say because he's he, deconstruction the way that the naked pastor says questions are the answer, you know? So he, there's a, there's a sort of a stoicism. There's a, there's a Socratic sort of undertone that's going on yeah and you and i listen to these people and they gripe constantly about how they were not allowed to ask questions in their old you know in in, in their church 
and then they ascribe that to all of Christianity. Christians, yeah. evangelicals are not allowed to ask questions ever. And I'm trying to be charitable because I, I know what they're talking about. I, I too right. have had experiences with Christians who are not very tolerant of questions. They're, they're afraid of questions because they feel like they're not going to be able to put their finger on a verse in the Bible to answer that question. Right. And so, well, and, and, and there are places in the church where ignorance is considered a virtue too, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, uh, and, um, and, and that, that's, it's not just in the church, right? You get that other places too. When I used to do uh, a lot of evangelism with Mormons and we heard all the time, people would say, well, I don't know about that, but what I do know mm-hmm. is that I have this feeling when I read the book of Mormon. And, right. Right. And it got to the point where whenever anybody, whenever these young, I mean, they're elders, but they're like 17, 18, 19 sure. years old. And they'd say, <laughs> sure. I don't Other know bikes. about that. And I exactly, whenever they would start in on that, they'd say, I don't know about that. I'd reach over and I'd thump the table right in front of them. Because <laughs> you hear it all. It's like this self, weird self-hypnosis thing right. that they're taught to do or whatever. It is. I don't know what it And I just was like, I got, so I got, I got, I got eternally banned from the Mormon library in Idaho. Because <laughs> I would go in there. And it's it's that easy. You just yeah, it was that easy. So, but they, um, cause they would say, well, I don't know about that, but what I do know, and I'd reach up and I'd thump the table <laughs> and I'd say, I don't, th- ignorance isn't a virtue. What are we, do- what are we doing? What, let's right. talk about what you do know. Let's do this. And, um, yes. And then, yes. and so, but there are Christians that do the same sort of thing Oh, where I, yeah. I think they're afraid, they're afraid that there's not going to be an answer mm-hmm. and they don't want to lose their, their, the, their identity, they're afraid right. they're going to lose their identity because their identity is more of a tribal ide- mm-hmm. identity than an identity in Christ, an identity in the, in, in the, um, being a part of the historic church, an identity is, you know, um, that is given to them by God's actions and the sacraments, you know, the sorts of things that you can look at and say, even if everybody in this church is, is nailed to a cross and I'm the only one left. I still have all of this identity here. The kind of identity that gets you through the the flames of persecution. They don't they're they're afraid that they will lose all of that. Lose lose what they have because it's not deeply rooted in uh, something beyond kind of their own bouncy feelings in and out. So Right. Well, that that's basically the first the first chunk of this book is, um, and and I I like this guy. I, I was I went in really skeptical, but I said I'm 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 going to try to give him a chance to explain yeah. himself. And so and so I like him. I w- I would love to sit down across a table from him and have a conversation because I feel like we would I feel like we would be friends. Um, I still don't think we would agree on everything, but I think we would be friends um, because because he's thoughtful and he will and he he outlines what the problems are. He, he's like he, yeah. he he's a very aware of the propensity for the deconstructionist to make deconstruction the thing, and 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 yeah. that's it. And he's also uh, he's critical of the people who are 
who are like cheerleaders for deconstruction who are like, yeah, you go, you know, burn it all to the ground. That's right. You go and you do your thing. And he's like, that's not correct. You don't do, you don't do that either. But he's also sympathetic to the people uh, who have had experiences like you just described where, where the church quote unquote, and the Christians quote unquote, do not behave like Christians. And, and that's where, as I'm reading through it, I start to go kind of, kind of a little bit sideways because he's like, we need to own in Christianity, you know, the, the violence that we have committed throughout history. And we need to, we need to own this and that. And, and I, I hear what he's saying, but there's a, but in my mind, that's not Christianity. And I'm, I'm really reluctant to apologize as a Christian for things that are not, uh, that are not Christian. You know, because well, I, I, I'm I'm not I don't live. If I was a perfect Christian, I would have nothing to apologize for. And so, right, right, yeah. Well, I, I, I there are there are tropes that really bother me. Um, like when people say, "Well, hey, but what about the Crusades?" You know, that sort of. And mm-hmm. what I've started to do, <laughs> I, bang on the table. <laughs> no, no, I um, say. Can you tell me three historical facts about the Crusades? <laughs> How's that go? <laughs> and when they can't, I say, "Okay, I'll accept two. <laughs> I mean, just Literally one. Can't, yeah, can't get any. And then they'll be like, "Well, you know, Christians were mean to Muslims." Yeah, you're like. And, that's know, that's Jeopardy. pretty good. I usually don't even get that. Jeopardy, right? You know, and the but um, <laughs> the, the, there's a great and, and then I say there's a, here's a great two volume history of the Crusades put out by Oxford University Press. That's <laughs> really really great. I've read it. And when you when you want to talk about it, let's talk. You know, yeah. um, but the there um, it's it's like when it's like when a, a boy goes off to college and then he comes home and he says, man, I'm really starting to doubt my faith. And you say, does she have a name or is it just porn? Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's either you know porn or it's a, a non-Christian girl that likes him back. And well, he, could, he could be gay too. Let's not leave that off the <laughs> yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah. That, Cause that, that's really awkward when he says, Steve, you know, <laughs> But um, there, there's a way of there, – there's a dishonest – most of the people that approach the question approach it in a dishonest way. Right. And I don't have any problem with honest questions. I had a lot of them. My conversion was a little longer than a year because I had so many questions. Yeah. And I'm grateful for it. I, when, so when people say, oh, man, I, my church didn't let me ask questions, whatever, I was like, man, mine did. Yeah. So which of us, which of us has a true experience? You right. or me, right? So maybe you should come to my church where we're allow it then, because there are plenty of churches that don't have any problem with questions. Well, and but, in fact, the history of philosophy is the history of the church because we're the ones that kept philosophical inquiry alive. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, well, there's, there's a distinction now and, and this guy and, and, Jersik makes it a little bit in the book 
where there's a distinction between religion and philosophy too. And I'm not sure that that distinction exists. I think that, I, 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 you know, I think religion and philosophy. I would like to deconstruct that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Um, But you know, I'm, I'm again. I'm trying to understand what, he, how he's using these words, and then going yeah. with it. And and so, even though I object to, maybe I object to the terms and the use of those terms because I think, I think the problem is that that pedestrians, you know, the plebeian people who don't read, yeah, don't understand those terms that they're using, and so they say it's time to deconstruct everything, and what they mean is burn it all to the ground, you know, right. they, they mean right. anarchy. They mean religious, philosophical, intellectual anarchy. There is no place to stand. It is, it's all yeah. nihilism is where they're going. Yep. And when you, and you tell them that's where they're going and then they get defensive about that because you're this religious guy who's trying to force your views, your your theistic views on them and that's not their yeah. truth. And so there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of experience. Experience speaks and the scripture doesn't basically. So you can, you can quote the yeah. Bible, but that doesn't, that's not their experience. And so if it's true for you, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true for me. Well, that, and, and I think that is, um, that is the, the philosophical, waters that we're swimming in are those self-centered yeah self-centered in a technical sense right that i am the center and everything else gets its meaning from me Mm -hmm. then that that um that's a lot of weight Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that is not an easy yoke to carry right um i i had i uh, uh had a a friend acquaintance who was going through this kind of deconstruction process, you know, grew up in the, grew up in the evangelical, um, kind of, kind of like a squishy, squishy evangelical, uh, setting, went off to college, studied philosophy, going to law school. And, um, we're, and he was saying, look, I've just, I've come to the conclusion that it's not just that God doesn't know the future it's that the future is not a thing so it can't be known it's an unknowable thing it's like you know um having a relationship with a unicorn if you um and now it's a big assumption that unicorns don't exist i don't make that assumption myself i believe in unicorns but he was you know he's saying (laughs) they're like whales aren't they aren't they it's a (laughs) narwhal right yeah, the, the narwhal. Well, that's the that's the unicorn of the sea. That it's the there's other unicorns, you know, in Africa and Russia and such. But but you have this. Um, <laughs> but I don't believe they're magic. You right. Know, they're yeah. But <laughs> so, I'm not crazy. <laughs> well, let's so just get that out of. The, let's just get that out of the way right now. Jason Farley so is not crazy. Through with this talking with this guy about how he doesn't think the future is not knowable. And then we get to the end and I'm like, and I just said, is there anything I can pray for you for? You know? And he was like, you know, I'm really struggling with anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) You're kidding. Yeah. I was like, I was like, okay. (laughs) So, 
<laughs> you could have said, well, that's a given. Is there anything else? Yeah, I, I, I already exactly. knew about that. So I, I prayed for him. <laughs> and then afterwards I said, do you think your, your conclusions about God not knowing the future and the future have anything to do with your anxiety? And he literally said, honestly, I've never thought about it. <laughs> right. Right? You're like, okay. I was like, just, just trust me. They do, right? You're that's. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you, you think? Uh, they, uh, um. So my, my, in my experience, it's the details that actually get to it, not the, not the theory. When somebody's talking, when you get somebody, when some somebody gets talking about the theory of deconstruction and the theory, you know, the, um. And the the narrative that they've constructed about their life that they're in which they're the hero um, mm-hmm. or the martyr, right? The the and you know a martyr these days is a hero. So, right, casting yourself in your life story as the martyr or um, or like the <laughs> they because they're almost always like me monsters. Do you remember that Brian Regan? Oh yeah, bit about the me monster. Yeah, you. So they're also so you've got somebody <laughs> that let me. Ca- I'm, I'm telling you my life story, and they've cast themselves as the martyr hero of some sort. Um, yeah. when, when they're in that mode, um, they they are sitting in the balcony of their life. They're not living it. And so you've mm-hmm. got to get it, and they're looking down on it, right? They're trying to find that objective space to sit up above and look down on it, right? And then the clock doesn't—the clock's not working because one of the gears has climbed out in order to inspect the rest of the clock, you know. <laughs> and so you've got to just get it. You just got to get folks into their actual life and be in their life with them and say, so you know that sort of thing. Because that guy, he started coming to our Bible, to our Bible study that we've done. I mean, my wife and I basically run a Bible study out of our house for our entire marriage, 23 years. And so it's topics change, times change, but we've pretty much always got a Bible study going. So, um, there's always a Bible right study now, at the Farley house. Yeah. I mean, so right now we've got a, how to pray Bible study. That's the one that we're yeah. running. And so just so that we always have some place for our kids to bring somebody, um, you know, cause they're, they, they, so just, just like that constant thing. Well, that guy started coming to our Bible study after that moment yeah. of do you, so, cause all of a sudden it was, Oh wait, there are consequences. Yeah. To heresy. <laughs> like, well, existential yeah. experiential consequences to heresy. It really does um, matter what you believe. <laughs> right. It really does. Right. It, really does. <laughs> it has an impact on your life. What you believe. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's a reason that the suicide rates of women in Utah are so high because Mormonism yes. is is a destructive is destructive to women, you know, um, it, as a metaphysical philosophical religion. Right. So, right. Yeah. Real well, consequences. If you he he talks about that in the book, Jurisic suggests he does more than suggests. He he says it in many different ways that your faith doesn't become real until you are the, the way you said it, until you're living it. But he actually goes further and says that it, it is, it's suffering and it's, and it's pain and it is, it is, it is connected to a tragedy. And then he goes and spends a lot of time um, 
talking about Voltaire and uh, and Plato. He talks about Plato in the cave and yeah. and how yeah. you you you're you know you're fastened to the cave and all you see is the shadows on the. You talked about this at the conference. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's the uh, Carl. It's uh, real quick. You're uh, you're all we're all in a cave and we see. Um, shadows that are cast on the wall that we're shackled to by a fire that we can't see. It's, it's out of view. And so our whole view of reality is basically these shadows on the wall. And uh, one of the um, people, one of the dwellers of the cave is able to ascend out of the cave and actually see light and the sun. And then they go back into the cave and, and he spends a lot of time talking about, about the going back into the cave, which is what you do, you know, the deconstruction, there's a part of it yeah. where, where your faith now becomes, it compels you to go back into the cave and you try to talk to those people who are looking at the shadows and they are not too happy to hear what you have to say about this <laughs> mythical sun that you've supposedly seen. And so he talks about all of that, but he says that the, that your faith doesn't become real until it has, it has brought you through. It is the only thing that has sustained you through this crushing tragedy. And he talks about the philosophers who uh, like Nietzsche and, yeah. uh, and Sartre and, uh, and so the, but uh, the, the, the people who became uh Atheist, and he's and he's quick to point out that they weren't actually atheists; that they didn't uh, like uh, the German guy. Now, now his name is gone. I know who he is, but I can't think of it. Big bushy mustache. Anyway, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about if I was doing a better job of describing it. But um, <laughs> big German mustache. That's not Carl. Yeah. That's not Karl Marx because he's got the full. No, that no, wasn't Marx. Um, but he he talks about the this uh, earthquake that uh, that killed a hundred thousand people and that was like that was it they the, the he's like well there's no the they refer to it as the absurdity you know of uh, the yeah. tragedy is absurdity and, and it's just senseless and you can't make any there's no way to reason through this it's just this absurd right you know cataclysmic numbers of, of people die for no reason whatsoever and they were and they lost patience with what they referred to as the theodicies which are the you know yeah. the, the attempts to sort of explain these tragedies as well god means for something good to happen and um of course we would as christians we would say that we would say all things work together for good god's got everything in his hands and ultimately yeah. he is good so everything's <laughs> going to work out for good but that doesn't work with those people <laughs> well, but even even that verse in, in Romans eight twenty and twenty nine, God works all things together for good for those that love that him, love right? Him. So, right. so it, there are some of those people where you're like, that was senseless tragedy. No, no goods coming out of it. You're like, yeah, I'm up for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You're right. Right. Yeah. I guess you got a you got a valid point there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've had I've had I've had those thoughts more and more since I've started hanging around with you reformed guys. Um, and yeah, there's been things that happen to people and they're like, well, you know, something, 
you know, it'll all work out for well in the end. And I'm like, mm, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on this. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. That's well, way I, above my pay grade. I remember talking, I was, um, the, God puts me in funny evangelistic settings all the time. I don't spend a ton of time online, so it's not as much an online thing, but a lot of in-person evangelism. And, and I had a guy that uh, he he was he was saying, oh, he found out I was a Christian. He was like, oh, I've got some problems with Christianity. I was like, oh, well, what are they? And you know, like, let's do this. Like, I, let's throw down. I love it. Let's hear um, it. And, yeah. and pretty soon, I mean, so he, and he, so he says, well, you know, the um, this whole this this whole thing, you know, do, do you think do you think you're going to heaven, right? And he was, um, so it, well, it started out like this. He was like, first off, um, and I was standing with a friend of mine who he ended up being, he ended up with a, um, going straight from, uh, an undergraduate degree into a PhD program. He skipped the master's degree altogether <laughs> because he would, um, he was, and they, and a, a big university paid him to come get a doctorate there, skip the master's degree. He went straight from graduating to teaching master's classes, right? He was brilliant, brilliant. And so the two of us are standing there and um, <laughs> the this guy goes, you know, you guys are both just Christians because of the way you were raised. <laughs> and so he's like, so that bothers me. And I, and I said, well, I wasn't raised a Christian. You know, I, I became a Christian a little bit later in life. And my and my other friend goes, "Yep, that's true of me, though. I'm really grateful for it. What are what other problems do you have?" <laughs> so he was, he was like, oh. "Like no, he's like well." It, and so and and then I and I said, "But the problem is, you're only an atheist because of the way you were raised, right? If that's right. true, then it doesn't matter one way or the other." And right. and um, he was like, "Well." And I said, you know, you probably had too much Nietzsche as a child. <laughs> and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, I don't talk about my childhood. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh. so I, I was like, nailed it. That was so perfect. So I start laughing, right? And he's, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm trying to take you seriously. <laughs> Promise I'm taking you seriously. Yeah. But that was really funny. And he was, and, 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 he, and, and he wouldn't, and I was like, why don't you talk about your childhood? He's like, nope, I don't. And I was like, literally, it was like Stonewall. No, he's not talking about childhood. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I said, okay, well, what are your what are your real objections, though? Then, like, what? Um, and he said, look, do you think do you think I'm going to hell? And I said, well, yeah, if you don't repent. <laughs> and he yeah. said, and he was like, why are you smiling? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not going to be thinking about you. I'm going to be in heaven. I'm not going to be worried. <laughs> I'm probably not even going to remember you. <laughs> I'm like, like, and he, he was like, I want to be mad at you, but you're so straightforward. You're so and then I have, a resting, I have a resting smile face. I like, <laughs> some people. I'm like, people are like, are you upset? Or like, why are you so happy? I'm like, no, this is my, this is my normal. <laughs> this is as angry as I can look. Yeah. This is, I've got, I'm like, one of God, the clowns and one God in God circus. I just the resting smile face. And then I'm like chubby and hairy and uh, you know, on top of it. And 
Um, and so, and I thought I told a really funny joke. Like, I'm not going to be thinking about you. I'm going to be busy with my harp singing in the clouds. Like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, and, um, and, but he, he, he didn't have, he, he was used to people saying, man, yeah, that's got to be like, you know, but. He's used to people making excuses and apologies for their faith. Yeah. Exactly. And some mm-hmm. objections are just bad. Yeah. Like you you're a Christian because of the way you were raised. That's a that's a <laughs> dumb that's a dumb objection. It's totally dumb. Yeah. It's totally right? dumb. Um it's it's like Freud saying, uh, I can't trust you because you're only motivated by sex. <laughs> and you think, Well, why can't I trust you? Because so, you just told me everybody's only motivated by sex. So right. you're motivated you're telling me I'm motivated by sex because you're motivated by sex, which means right. I can't trust you, which means I can't trust your statement in the first place. Right. Which means it's a, you know, we're back perfect, where we started. Perfectly yeah. circular. Yeah. If if your objection um, also apply it applies to everything then it's an objection that you've got to get rid of because it applies to the objection as well. So if it undercuts knowledge, if it undercuts the possibility of belief or, or truth or anything, well then this is why we need philosophy boys and girls. Right. This is what you learn in philosophy. But but what I think with the, the issue with deconstruction is that I've seen is everybody wants to retreat to um, and there's a, it's a logical fallacy, um, the, the Genesis fallacy that says, well, it just means tear down, right? It just means, it's just the opposite of construction. That's all I mean by deconstruction. And there are some things that shouldn't have been built, and so you have to tear them down. But that's, um, and then they slip in all of this German atheism and all of this. Right. particular view of objectivity and they slip in like platonic Gnosticism and that uh, um, yeah. it's it, all embedded within the worldview and then you say well look this is what you, you're this is what you're doing and they say well no I'm just 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 the opposite of construction that's right? exactly just, what they and, do. right yeah. yeah and that's the I, same I never thing heard I the atheists with, who say I don't have yeah. we don't have a worldview atheists I, I've been I've told atheism is content free. It's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. We don't have. I, they've said this to me. They said we don't have. We don't have any content. We don't have any dogmas. And I'm like, well, why am I talking to you? <laughs> <laughs>